Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Friday, October 6th, 2022 edition of On Iowa Politics. Since it's October, that means we're now in Breast Cancer Awareness Month, so we come to you this week with an impassioned plea. Women, please be vigilant in checking yourselves, and men, make sure your women are doing just that. Take it from the proud husband of a survivor, early detection is a lifesaver. We want to keep as many podcast listeners as possible out there, so stay healthy, stay safe. This week on the podcast, Chuck Grassley and Mike Franken debate. Newt Gingrich comes to Iowa with a Republican roadmap. And George W. Bush is also in Iowa, but not for prying media eyes. Hello, everyone. I'm Aaron Murphy, the Des Moines Bureau Chief for the Gazette and Cedar Rapids. With me today are Lee Des Moines Bureau Chief Caleb McCulloch. Welcome, Caleb. Hello, Aaron. Jared McNett of the Sioux City Journal is here. Hello, Jared. Aaron, don't interrupt me. Don't you do it. I know you I know you want to interrupt me, but Jared, don't Jared, do it. Jared, no, Jared, no, I'm sorry. No. Jared, we have to move on. No, Jared, I'm sorry. We no. have to move on to other introductions. <laughs> and finally, Gazette columnist Todd Dorman is here. Hello, Todd. Hello. All right. First up this week, we had the first and only scheduled debate between Iowa's U.S. Senate candidates, Republican incumbent Chuck Grassley, and Democratic challenger Mike Franken. That's for you newsletter readers, that is Democratic challenger Mike Franken, not Democratic challenger Deidre DeGere, as I wrote in the newsletter this morning because I was writing the newsletter at 1130 last night and I didn't have an editor looking over. Sorry about that, everyone. Uh, We have a smaller-than-usual roster on the podcast this week, so let's take advantage of that and go all the way around the horn here. Get the analysis from everyone. Uh, what did you think about the debate? Did any moments stand out? Did either candidate, quote unquote, win the debate? Uh, does any of this really matter? Uh, yours truly was one of the reporter panelists, uh, as Jared alluded to, had some fun exchanges with the candidates at times. Um, so I'll defer to the group, uh, at least to get us started. Caleb, uh, let's start with you because you covered the debate last night. You were there. Uh, what were your impressions? Yeah, so I was curious to see um, how Chuck Grassley would do in a debate setting. I, I have to admit, I was in high school um, last time he was up for re-election, and I don't think I watched those debates. So, um, <laughs> you know, Mike Franken's Franken's campaign has been pretty focused on as you know a referendum on Grassley, and and so he's we've seen him be you know um, on the offense, but Grassley hasn't really talked about Franken all that much. So this was kind of the first time we've been able to see him on the offense, um, and I think he did a pretty decent job pretty well at defending his record and, you know, trying to paint Franken as the bad, the wrong choice and as extreme um, with, uh, you know, how he portrayed things. Um, I think he did a couple times tend to get in the weeds on a couple issues, um, which I think he tends to do sometimes in interviews and, and public speaking as well. Um, but, and then Franken hit pretty hard on, on, you know, different points of Grassley's record going back to abortion policy, um, and, uh, addressing, uh, inflation, things like that. And, you know, he made his case as a new fresh face for Iowa, someone with new ideas that, um, you know, making the case that Grassley's ideas weren't working. Um, I think the big news out of last night was that Grassley finally said he would vote no on a national abortion ban, uh, and that surprised me. I didn't think he would he would take a stance one way or the other before the election. Um, and you know, lots of people were saying if he if he had that chance, he would vote yes. Nothing, you know, it's still not a done deal until the vote is taken. If it does happen, um, but you know, that was definitely interesting. Um, the other moment I think notable was when Franken was asked about his allegations that he kissed a former staffer without her consent. Um, he again denied them and kind of 
uh, spun his answer to say that, you know, Chuck Grassley doesn't support women and, and because of things like abortion restrictions, not supporting equal pay, things like that. Grassley, um, you know, shot back, you're in no position to lecture me about women. That was a, a pretty, I guess, powerful moment from that debate. Um, yeah, so overall, I mean, I don't know. I, I think uh, I can name one winner, which is uh, the Gazette's very own Aaron Murphy for getting <laughs> that abortion answer out of Chuck Grassley after he didn't answer the first question. So, yeah. That, that was my thoughts. Hey, I think that's my first debate win. I'm gonna I'm gonna mark that down. Can we put out a press release that says that too? Caleb, I, I was actually kind of surprised that like Franken even more didn't try to bring up just, you know, like stuff that Grassley's had the chance to address over the years because like it kind of worked every time he did it, especially talking about inflation. Like that's something because just by nature of how long Grassley has been around, you could do that for pretty much any topic that comes up during a debate if you wanted to. And yeah, he has done that on the campaign trail too. Sometimes I know I've heard him talk about, you know, the, the number of, uh, farms that we have in Iowa now and how much smaller that number is. And, you know, Mike Franklin will say while on Chuck Grassley's watch, that's a good point. Um, Jared. And I real quick before I move on, I I'm, I'm interested to hear that you brought that up, Caleb, and what the rest of you guys thought too, um, uh, about that moment um, of when he tried to pivot that, but then Chuck Grassley uh, fired back, uh, um, on the on the topic of uh, issues with women and and Chuck Grassley saying you're in no position to lecture me that was to me sitting there that was kind of that felt like one of those moments that that would stood out but you know but I'm obviously so close to the fire I'm just curious how people on you know in the outside world um, react to that uh, Jared uh, what else what what did you think about last night's debate. Well, uh, to that point in particular, like if nothing else during a debate, one thing you never want to do is cue up your opponent for a clip like that. Um, and so at least in, on that front, um, and we can talk about some other misfires from both of them that I thought, but at least on that front, that was definitely a mistake by, by Franken. Yeah. I mean, that, I mean, I think that's a, a really good point. And I've had a similar thought, you know, that moment only happened because of the answer that Mike Franken chose to give to that question and, and the direction he took it, you know, without him going in that way, uh, Chuck Grassley never has uh, that moment. I'm curious what, it, it, give me one or two other missteps you, you thought you heard Jared. Uh, so I actually wasn't watching the debate in real time. I was watching a uh, Texas chainsaw massacre, uh, the beginning, uh, which is not as good as the 2003 remake. But um, I finally like queued it up at like nine or so, because I really don't like watching debates anymore and following along with Twitter because you'll just have posts that are, are like Grassley killed it. Or Franken was so based for saying that. And like, <laughs> I just can't deal with that. It, it just damages my soul because a lot of people are bad <laughs> posters. Um, so when I, I finally watched, I did take some notes and like one of the first ones I had, um, and this is a little bit of a localized thing, but, um, you know, during the opening minutes when Grassley was talking about the, the cattle market, uh, transparency act that he's been pushing and how big producers are kind of boxing out smaller outfits, uh, it would have been a good, uh, bit of timing for uh franken to talk about the real downsides of that especially because this week you know in siouxland we had tyson pulling out about uh, 500 jobs from here so that would have just been a very easy localized like kitchen table kind of thing to link to um that's like in the news and then on, on that same exchange that we were just talking about a second ago i also don't know if um franken starting with a version of 
as a father of a daughter is something that's going to win back, you know, wayward folks who were put off uh, by that story about him, because that's the kind of like, um, you know, reasoning we've heard from other people that has gotten lambasted in the past. So I don't know if it's going to work this time either. And then with Grassley in particular, the, the student debt relief argument felt really tenuous. He was basically saying that people shouldn't see student debt relief happen because they made a promise. And, you know, as Franken even indicated factually, there's a litany of companies that have gotten all kinds of bailouts and breaks and then uprooted as soon as they could leave. And, you know, by the letter of the law, you could say that they honored their word, but they didn't in spirit. And so I, I think that was one of those areas where Grassley was particularly uh, shaky. I'd also just say that I I, I think the argument um, from, from Grassley that, you know, he knows what it's like to, to have to pay for college because, you know, he worked during college when he went to UNI. Um, you know, back in the, would have been the fifties. Um, I, I think that maybe is a little bit out of step with how, you know, the, the situation is today. The cost is just so uncoupled from what it was back then. It's not, you know, you can't work four hours a night and pay for college now. So it's, it's not really a reasonable metaphor. Yep. That's exactly what I was going to say, Caleb. And yeah. one, one other thing I was going to say uh, too, is just, uh, uh, you know, if Grassley doesn't want to seem uh, his age, it probably was smart of him to interrupt you guys and and challenge <laughs> on stuff because you know then you seem you know, spry and uh, and with it. That's right, willing to still mix it up. Yeah. All right, and uh, Todd, uh, bring us home here. What's left to say about this one? What uh, what did you think as you watched last night? Well, I I mean one of the things that struck me was just to the degree that uh, Senator Grassley would sort of deploy both rhetorical and uh, political gymnastics to sort of explain away that really the January 6th insurrection was not that big a deal. I mean, we've had other election challenges and those are, you know, so this one is just one of those. And I, I, I wish Franken had, had pushed him further on that because it's of course ludicrous. And, and, and he did a little bit, he, you know, yeah. he noted, you know, none of those examples you listed, involved violence and they all involved complaints from the majority party. And I think, you know, if I had been advising Mike Franken and and no one would ever hire me to advise anyone, but, you know, I would have been ready to point out that in the immediate aftermath of the insurrection, Chuck Grassley was fairly strong in his condemnation of both the, the event and the president and everyone involved in that, and then at some point decided that he was no longer indignant about the insurrection to the point where he's now accepted Donald Trump's endorsement. And, you know, because Trump is popular in Iowa and the senator was born but not born yesterday, and we all remember that quote from a year ago. Uh, so, yeah, I I just, I thought it was interesting. and And, you know, as someone who's been in the been in the uh, in public office for for as long as Grassley has to sort of blow that off, knowing as he does historically that was a a pretty a pretty ugly moment. And, and Caleb, I uh, I was I was ten years old when Chuck Grassley got elected. So yeah, I'm I'm 52 now, <laughs> and you know it's that's a that's a long time, uh, but 
but it was really nice to know that, you know, he was able to go to the State Teachers College of Iowa, which is what UNI was called back then in the 1950s. My dad was also an alumni uh, and, and managed to pay for the whatever small tuition that was owed. So, uh, yeah, I, I just, the stuff about the insurrection, I, and maybe I'm the only one that cares about it, but I just was struck by the fact that he was kind of trying to downplay, even though we, we all saw what happened live as it occurred. You know, on another front, uh, kind of related to that, it, it in some ways it was weird for Grassley to mention uh, 2000, because probably the most famous thing with like 2000 being challenged was the Brooks Brothers riot in Florida, which was like Republican uh, demonstrators, like demonstrating outside of my, uh, Miami-Dade County, like election facility about, you know, the recount going on down there. So that is a weird one to bring up when you're trying to like both sides uh, challenges to elections. Well, and I, you know, I, it's, I, I think I just lost the thought I was, I was going to have, but it's, it's, you know, and Al Gore didn't, didn't come out that night when he conceded and say, you know, attack the Supreme court. I'll be with you. I mean, that didn't happen. So that's a, yeah, that's a poor example. Um, so the big question did this in any way for whatever universe there exists at this point of persuadable voters, in this campaign and whether any of those folks were watching this debate, um, did this debate in anyone's view do anything to move those people's in those people in one direction or the other? I, I, I I don't, I think both candidates probably had their moments where I could see people saying, you know, Oh, maybe, maybe, maybe that's my guy now, or maybe not that guy because of that. I don't know if, if one really, had a big edge over the other in that sort of hypothetical arena. Anybody else? Yeah, I'd, I'd agree with that. I can't, I mean, I can't think of a real strong case for, for either one. And that was, you know, I thought there was interesting moments and, you know, we've discussed a few. I thought that back and forth on the Ukraine um, aid and, and possible use of U.S. troops was, was kind of interesting. Um, so, so I thought there was, you know, interesting moments and, and, um, that's and a, certainly moments that showed contrast, but I'm glad you mentioned that one, Aaron, that was actually a note I had too. And I understand that the part of the reason is because one of the candidates, uh, spent several decades, uh, in the Navy. But one of the notes I made was that it's strange now to watch a debate and the Republican candidate is talking about not sending troops. Yeah, because that's like the historical, like, you know, stereotype we sort of have in our minds. And that's not how it played out. And again, I mean, a lot of that has to be because Franken was in the Navy for so long. Right. Right. Yeah. No, that's a really good point. That's right. It was the the Republican was uh, advocating for uh, uh, limited uh, to no military intervention. And the Democrat was the one saying, hey, we might have to put our troops over there. Yeah, that's a good point, Jared. Well, that was it, folks, for that for that race. Uh, no other debates scheduled. So, um, if you missed it, uh, check out Caleb's story. Uh, go to the Iowa PBS website, and you can still watch it uh, or, or just read the transcript if you're a, um, uh, prefer to, to read over uh, watch um, and to get all the info you can. Um, moving on this week, um, we uh, we had a couple of Iowa visits from significant figures of Republican politics past. 
George W. Bush and Newt Gingrich were both in Iowa this week. So whomever out there built a time machine, congratulations. It works. Uh, and if I can put in a request, can we go back to February of 2011 so I can watch my Packers win the Super Bowl again, uh, please and thank you. Newt Gingrich uh, was here to uh, attend a campaign event with Zach Nunn in Des Moines. Nunn is the Republican candidate for Congress in Central Iowa's competitive third district campaign. He is attempting to defeat two-term Democratic incumbent Congresswoman Cindy Axney. And by the way, programming note, uh, that those two also debated um, last night, but none of us watched it, so we're not talking about it. (laughs) (laughs) Um, While in town, Gingrich, the former U.S. House Speaker, doled out a little campaign advice for Republican congressional candidates like none. Caleb, once again, you covered the event. Uh, what did you hear from Gingrich? What did he suggest? And uh, as you've covered these other House races, are our Iowa Republican candidates heeding that advice? Yeah, so uh, Newt Gingrich talked um, about, he was kind of connecting the new um, commitment to America from House Republicans as their kind of campaign agenda to the contract with America that he authored or helped author back in the Clinton era. And, um, you know, so he's talked about that uh, Republicans should focus on mainly three things as they head into the midterms, inflation, and I'm looping in gas prices into that, crime, and then high border crossings. And he also suggested tying border issues to fentanyl, um, as we're seeing, you know, high overdose deaths uh, continuing to, to rise, um, which it seems like, you know, those Republicans are doing um, those things. So he said, you know, those things, especially high prices, which he talked about quite a bit, are felt every day by Americans. And, you know, that kind of drowns out uh, the politics of some of the issues that Democrats are running on. You know, specifically, he mentioned um, Joe Biden's speech about um, the threat to democracy from what he called MAGA Republicans. You know, in Gingrich's estimation, that is not going to sway a voter if the next day they have to go fill up their their tank and it's, you know, four fifty five dollars a gallon. So um, that's kind of what his his bid was. And I think that's what Republicans are, are running on this year um, in Iowa. You know, you see inflation as definitely the top issue that Republicans talk about. Um, crime is, a, I think, a little less so. Um, and, and you know, I'm not, you know, I think there's a few reasons for that. I don't think crime is particularly bad in Iowa. We're not, you know, turning on the TV and seeing a, a bunch of issues about, about crime that I know of. Um, but, you know, Definitely that we're seeing talk about border, the border, um, seeing that being tied to fentanyl. Chuck Grassley talks about that quite a bit, um, you know, saying blaming Biden for, you know, these overdose deaths because uh, fentanyl in some degree is coming across the border. So, yeah, we're definitely seeing um, that as the Republican strategy this this uh, fall. Yeah, those bullet points certainly sound uh, familiar to me. Uh, Jared, how about you? Do those sound like the. Kind of topics you hear Randy Feenstra talking about it, at least on those occasions when the Western Iowa Republican can be found on the campaign trail well, out there. I'll uh, I'll find out uh, the kinds of topics I guess when I uh, talk to him uh, on the 18th here for an election preview I'm working on. Um, at, at least recently, you know, online he's talked about uh, quote unquote Biden inflation or uh, or Joe flation as the the kids are calling it. Um, but other than that, like on social media and stuff, he hasn't really talked a lot about topics or like specific issues. Like it's been, you know, endorsements here and there from from different mm. groups and, and stuff like that. 
And then in a, a chat with the register when they were doing their, you know, preview for the fourth district, um, he got asked about his top priorities and Feenstra listed, you know, increasing biofuels production, lowering gas prices and ending reliance on foreign oil, which are all, you know, matters of inflation in, in some respects. But they're also stuff you would kind of hear folks in Iowa say in yeah. any year because they're all so tied to, you know, the ag industry and, and corn. Um, so, yeah, unless I miss, missed it in that, um, like, Des Moines Register piece or just in other stuff that Fincher's been talking about, there are not a lot of mentions of the border or crime. So I guess he's only taking, like, a third of Newt's advice. <laughs> I'd, also, I'd also say the other thing that Republicans, you know, you see some Republicans talking about that um, is not was not on that list is, you know, tying um, – some level of, you know, Democrats being a woke party and, you know, tying that to like um, LGBTQ issues in schools. You're seeing this from Ashley Hinson. Um, she has a new ad that, you know, says that uh, Liz Mathis would would be uh, uh, would help the I can't remember the words, but, you know, woke Democrats destroying America kind of narrative. So that's another one, um, I think, especially with schools that you're seeing um, here. I am at least. Yeah, uh, I'm I'm feeling less woke. uh as the day goes on, uh, if I'm being quite honest, it's been a long night. I uh, I, I may be misusing that word. But. <laughs> I, I, I don't know the next time we'll talk about uh, Newt Gingrich on the pod, and I have an Iowa-related uh, Newt Gingrich story. Uh, Please. Uh, in, in 2012, I actually came up here for a class and covered the caucuses. We were closer to, like, Des Moines area. And, the you know, the caucus night location we just happened to be posted up at um, the person that like spoke on his behalf was one of his daughters. And so like the five minutes or whatever that new one of new Gingrich's daughters had to speak, she dedicated entirely to dispelling those longstanding rumors about him leaving his first wife while she was in the hospital. And I just remember it being so strange to be there on caucus night. And that's what you're using your time for when you're stumping for your dad as a presidential candidate. That was, that was a very bizarre caucus moment that I'll, I'll never forget. Wow. That's a, that's amazing. That is a fantastic story. Yeah, this is this is the window that you have to sway caucus uh, voters, and and that's 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 the big issue. Wow! You only that's get one wild. shot. <laughs> that's amazing. All right. Uh, lastly, uh, as we mentioned, former President George W. Bush uh, also was in Iowa this week. In fact, he's in Iowa. In our version of today, uh, we're recording this podcast Friday and the same day that the former president is scheduled to receive a humanitarian award and headline a fundraiser for the Herbert Hoover Presidential Library and Museum in Cedar Rapids. Normally, this would be where I would tease the Gazette's coverage of an event like this, but unfortunately, media coverage is not allowed. Per an agreement between the former president's staff and the host venue, the Doubletree Hotel by Hilton. Uh, Todd, I heard this. Is is there any truth to the rumor that this event was going to be open press until you applied for a credential? Yeah, it's. I, I think that's. It's. <laughs> I can't confirm it, nor can I deny it. But uh, which surprises me because you know we we endorsed President oh, yeah, George W. Bush in. 2000 and 2004 probably would have endorsed him again if he ran in 2008, but because we endorsed uh, John McCain that year. Oh, okay. I thought maybe well, you were going for another King a lot, George. A lot of people don't know that we, you know, when we endorsed Hillary Clinton in 2016, that was the Gazette's first Democratic presidential endorsement since 
Lyndon Johnson in 1964. So wow, I mean, I knew so there's. I know we're woke. I didn't know that. We became super woke once I took over being editorial page editor. But but back in the day, we were rock ribbed conservatives who, <laughs> uh, you know. So I've 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 ruined everything, which is okay. Uh, I feel like my political slang bingo card just filled up in like two sentences. Yeah, yeah. There. Um, I wanted to ask you, Todd, in all seriousness, I, and I perfectly honest, I'm not greatly experienced it, uh, with these sort of events. I haven't covered or been around a lot. Is it commonplace for an event like this with a former president to be closed media? I don't, I'm, I'm not sure myself. I, I think normally these, the events that I've seen like this in Iowa have been open and drawn media attention. I mean, it's not like we got to have a, you know, a press conference or an interview or anything, right. but you could, you could go and cover the speech and, right. uh, so yeah, it's, it's it's bad form to close it. I think it's it's a bad idea. Uh, on the other hand, on the other hand, uh, do you remember back a long time ago when presidents used to leave office and and they'd go back to wherever they were going to live and they'd do their library and you know they, in George W. Bush's instance he he took up his painting a little more aggressively and you know they'd make public speeches but maybe they didn't want to uh, you know, make political statements that would somehow, you know, have an impact on their, on their, on the people who were elected after them. They just kind of tried to stay apolitical, statesman-like. Uh, I just, that, those were the days, you know? I mean, <laughs> so, I mean, now our former president is, well, he's starting to play QAnon music at his, at his rallies, which have continued without barely without pause since he left office. So wait, so so state of the world here, I actually have to ask, are you joking or is that serious? Is he is he playing QAnon music? Something that world? sounded like QAnon, enough that it made the folks at his rally do the number one oh, QAnon symbol during the so yeah. Uh yeah. and you know when George W. Bush went back to his house, he, he didn't cart off a bunch of boxes of classified material. So that's nice. I mean, so I'm sort of, I, I would like to see this be public, but I'm sort of nostalgic for the low profile right. former president that, you know, historically has been the case. So, uh, yeah. And sometimes I wish Trump rallies were closed press because then I wouldn't have to hear what happened. <laughs> Not really, but or or go, kind of. or go there and be threatened. Well, there's that. You know, there's that. I, maybe uh, Todd, maybe Trump just needs like a ranch, you know, and then he could just go. Yeah. He can go clear brush like uh, Bush. You know, there's so many photos of Bush like clearing brush on that ranch in Crawford. Trump just needs a, a ranch of his own. He can go clear brush on. Well, he has a. He has, Trump does have a golf resort. Yeah, but, yeah. Many of them, but then he has like weird meetings where they go out in golf carts and don't have golf clubs. <laughs> so that's, that's interesting. That's an interesting activity from a former president also. So I, I don't know. Yeah. A ranch would be nice. An Island far offshore would be, would be good uh, with no, with no, uh, you know, what, with no uh, wireless coverage. So any of those things like Napoleon on Elba, something like that. <laughs> Oh, man. On that note, that's it for this edition of On Iowa Politics. We're not topping that.
If you enjoyed it, tell your friends, subscribe to us on any number of streaming audio services, including iTunes, Spotify, and Amazon. And if you have any topics to suggest or you'd just like to reach out, send us an email to podcasts at thegazette.com. And now that you've listened to the On Iowa Politics podcast, make sure you're also subscribed to the On Iowa Politics newsletter, where every morning in your inbox you'll receive all the latest politics and government coverage from our team and misidentified candidates by me. You can subscribe to that On Iowa Politics newsletter at our website, thegazette.com. And lastly, don't forget that the work of everyone you heard here today can be found on the pages of websites of the Quad City Times, Waterloo Cedar Falls Courier, Sioux City Journal, Mesa City Globe Gazette, Muscatine Journal, Council Bluffs Daily Nonpareil, and the Cedar Rapids Gazette. William Elliott Whitmore will play us out this week. If you know an Iowa band or musician who should be featured on the podcast, please send us a sound file. For Caleb, Jared, Todd, and our producer, Stephen, I'm Aaron Murphy. Thank you all for listening. Forget my pain, I've got you to thank It's clear like water, but don't be fooled It bites like a shark and kicks like a mule Have you dancing in the gravel without no shoes Yodeling the corn liquor Get a daily update from the Gazette with our daily news podcast. Add it to your podcast player or your Alexa-friendly device to get a bite-sized local news update each day. Check it out at thegazette.com slash podcasts.